on August 21, 1955, in the small farming community of Kelly, just north of Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Seven adults and five children from the Sutton and Taylor families were together in their farmhouse for a dinner. At around 7 p.m., Billy Ray Taylor went to the well for some water, where he saw an object fly overhead. Describing it as metallic, with a rainbow of colors in its wake, he rushed back to the house to tell the others, who of course didn't believe him. Eventually, though, he convinced his friend Elmer Sutton, also known as Lucky, to step outside with him and investigate. As soon as they left the house, they were approached by a mysterious creature. Around three feet tall, the creature had legs, but by its swaying motion, appeared to be floating above the ground rather than walking. While its legs were stubby and vestigial, its arms were long and slender, ending in claw-like hands, and it held them up as it approached the men. Its head was almost as large as its body, with bulbous eyes, large bat-like ears, and a wide, toothy mouth. It was a greyish colour, and appeared to be wearing an outfit with a metallic sheen. The men returned to the house where, for several hours after, the family was terrorised by the creature, and at least one other, repeatedly approaching the doors and windows. Both men fired their guns, Rather than the soft thud of their bullets striking flesh, they were met with a metallic ricochet and a faint light. The creature flipped backwards with the force and, seemingly unharmed, retreated to the woods. The men shot again and again, but still didn't seem to affect the creatures. One reached a claw down and at one point touched Lucky's hair. In a brief break in the action, the 12 people fled to their two cars and escaped to the local police station. Police reports confirmed that nobody was drunk and everyone was very scared. Multiple police officers, along with some state troopers and even military police from a base in the area, returned with the family and investigated the homestead. Although they confirmed that some shooting had occurred, they found no evidence of the creatures themselves other than witnessing a mysterious green glow. After the authorities left though, the creatures returned and continued to approach the house through until dawn. Other witnesses did report lights in the sky and the woods at the same time. On the other hand, skeptics have speculated that the goblins were territorial owls or escaped carnival monkeys. After that night, the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins were never seen again. The story became more and more exaggerated in the media, reporting 15 or 20 monsters, describing them as little green men, and later accusing the family of drinking or lying. Years later, the story fascinated a young Steven Spielberg, and an early version of the movie E.T. was a horror film based on this story of a family besieged by alien creatures. I'm Luke Summerhays, and I love Sableye.
As a kid, I read countless books, magazines, and websites about UFOs, alien encounters, and cryptids. At any cheap bookstore or travelling library, I collected every dubious paperback and cheesy picture book that I could. I would read them in the evening, lie awake at night in a terrified cold sweat, and do it all again the next day. Alien encounters were somehow both my obsession and my greatest fear. I knew all about Greys, Venusians, the Flatwoods Monster, and of course, the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins. While in the West, the tall, large-headed, grey aliens have become the generic image of an alien visitor, in Japan, it's these little goblins who have entered the popular consciousness. Sableye is Pokemon's interpretation of the Hopkinsville Goblin. It has the small legs and long arms, the wide mouth, and the big, pointed, bat-like ears. On its head, a little horn has been added, and the eyes, rather than simply being luminous discs, are actual gems. A few other gemstones decorate the body as well. In 3D games, Sableye moves with the strange swaying motion which the Sutton family described the goblins as exhibiting. Amusingly, while Sableye's basic colour is a dark purple, its shiny is a greenish mustard yellow, similar to how the Hopkinsville goblins were erroneously described as green in the media frenzy following the events, or how the creatures glowed with a yellowish light briefly when shot. Its Pokedex entries don't suggest any extraterrestrial origins, only that it lives in caves and eats rocks. Pokemon Sapphire tells us, Sableye digs the ground with its sharpened claws to find rocks that it eats. Substances in the eaten rocks crystallize and rise up to the Pokemon's body surface. And Pokemon Emerald tells us, It digs branching holes in caves using its sharp claws in search of food. Raw gems. A Sableye lurks in darkness and is seen only rarely. Of course, the 7th generation games managed to turn this into something a little less harmless. Pokemon Sun tells us, It's a fiend for gemstones, so it stalks Carbink. Unfortunately, Gabite almost always grabs them first. And Ultra Sun tells us, It digs through the ground with its hard claws and crunches down gems with its thick, pointy teeth. Carbink is its favourite food. Sableye isn't a rock-type Pokémon, though, and a few Pokédex entries do imbue it with more ghostly abilities. Pokémon Ruby did it first, telling us, Sableye lead quiet lives deep inside caverns. They are feared, however, because these Pokémon are thought to steal the spirits of people when their eyes burn with a sinister glow in the darkness. Sableye is a dark and ghost-type Pokémon, making it the first to, at least in the generation of its inception, have zero weaknesses. It didn't make a huge splash in the competitive scene initially, thanks to quite middling stats, and the not especially useful abilities Stool and Keen Eye. In the fifth generation, however, Sableye gained the hidden ability Prankster, giving priority to non-damaging moves, and letting Sableye go all out with status ailments and traps and tricks. This has let Sableye maintain a small but consistent niche in the video game competitive metagame, 
supporting his teammates and providing a nuisance to opponents. Sableye struggled to make a big impression in one-on-one -on -one battles until the 6th generation, and Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire's introduction of Mega Sableye. Mega Sableye doesn't look too different to Sableye, but it has manifested an enormous gem larger than its own body, behind which it can take cover, massively boosting its defensive stats and adding the ability Magic Bounce. Just as the goblins could deflect rifle rounds and shotgun shells, so Mega Sableye can deflect all kinds of non-damaging attacks, tricking opponents into poisoning, paralyzing, and otherwise hindering their own selves. Pokemon Sun tells us, The jewel from its chest, which has grown gigantic due to the effects of Mega Revolution, can turn back any attack. Then it makes it a bit dark by Ultra Sun telling us, Bathed in the energy of Mega Revolution, the gemstone on its chest expands, rips through its skin, and falls out. Even friend of the show Jonathan Cromie, number one hater of Mega Revolutions, doesn't mind Mega Sableye. Hello, Luke Loves Pokemon. It's me, Jonathan Cromie, composer of the show. Hope you all enjoyed the pod. I am going to talk to you very briefly about Sableye, uh, because I don't really have anything interesting to say about it. Uh, I didn't even know it was like, based off Hopkinsville Goblin until Luke told me. But I just really like Sableye. Uh, it goes back to this whole sort of teenage edgelord playing Ruby and Sapphire um, and seeing little uh, dark-type monsters that I will return to again and again as I talk through Generation 3. But yeah, I like, uh, I like Sableye. I like its uh, little, uh, little grin. Uh, I like the way it moves. I like the fact that it's dark and ghost-type, so it had no weaknesses at the time. Uh, I quite like the me uh, Megaform. I generally don't like Megaforms, but Sableye holding up a uh, large gem to protect itself and giggling from behind it. It's all right. Um, it was even my avatar for a while online. Um, I don't think Luke can say that, can he? So, yeah, I love Sableye more than him by that very specific metric. Anyway, yeah, Sableye's great. Enjoy the rest of the show. I can't be 100% sure, but my earliest days on the internet were spent exclusively on UFO forums and Pokemon forums, so I wouldn't be surprised if Sableye was my avatar at some point. Music for Luke Loves Pokemon was composed by Jonathan Cromie. Artwork for the show is by Katie Groves. Writing, editing, and producing is all by me, Luke Summerhaze and costs are covered by my lovely supporters on Patreon. If you like this podcast, please rate and review on whatever podcast app you're listening through, and please tell your Pokemon-loving friends. The podcast can be found on Twitter and Facebook at LukeLovesPKMN, so why not get in touch? The next two monsters are Mawile and Aron, so please get in touch with your thoughts about those or any other monsters. Lastly, as I mentioned, this podcast is supported by Patreon. If you want to listen to episodes early and help keep the show hosted online, visit patreon.com slash podcastiopodcastios. And if you have an idea for something else I could offer that would make you interested in signing up, Twitch streams, Q&As, videos, or content on wider topics, please let me know. And even if you don't feel like doing any of that, thank you so much just for listening. I love Sableye. And remember, I love you too. <laughs>